everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me, Mr. Daniel Ornelas. What is up, Daniel? Hey, Jason. How's it going, brother? Hey, brother. You're doing good. <laughs> just like glitched out. You just said, brat, 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 brother. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it in, though. Is that all you heard? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't as no, bad as when you, let me try that when, again. You, when you did the full remix. The remix was the the best yeah. one. Like I I can sit there and listen to that for hours. I just want to make a song out of it. <laughs> That's amazing, man. So how are you doing, man? How's your how's your week? How's it going? I'm doing well, man. I'm trying to I've been trying to sell off a bunch of our church's sound gear. We have like like years ago, you know, we bought a we bought a sound system. Anyway, it was just kind of like a package deal and we've just it's like more stuff than we need, you know what I mean? And so it's just been sitting in a closet because yeah. I didn't want to have to set it all up all the time. And now I'm like, why is it sitting in a closet? I could turn around and sell it. So we're we're hoping to uh, do a little downsizing. But I'm getting to meet, you know, some interesting people on on uh, on, on you know th- via Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. So Craigslist, it's, it's great. Yeah, that's the way forward. Facebook. Facebook Marketplace. I, I'm a, I'm a believer in Facebook Marketplace because at least I can see who's going to arrive to pick it up. Totally. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely very helpful. And it's almost like Craigslist has become this wasteland. Like it used to be like that's where you got everything. And now it's 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 almost dead. Facebook is just killing everyone. I mean, if I look, I'll actually go and look. I'll go and look for stuff on Facebook Marketplace and I'll think maybe I'll find something better on Craigslist and I'll find the same stuff there that people are going... I'm still putting this here, even though this is a wasteland, but you can also find it on my Facebook marketplace. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'll use Craigslist anymore. Yeah, it's a whole lot of, usually a lot of scams. You know, like the, hey, I'm a, I remember a while back I put, uh, I, I put it on, um, like years ago, when I say a while back, it was like years ago, and I was, I was doing private lessons and I was like, oh, I should advertise on Craigslist and just say, hey, I do private lessons. And, uh, and this guy, you know, hits me up and is like, my son is going to be traveling through on holiday. I'm going to send you $2,000 check. And then you just give him the extra money besides for the lessons for the six weeks or whatever. And I'm like, nobody does that. You psycho. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure enough, a check sh- shows up in the mail and I'm like, I know this is a scam, but I couldn't figure out how it was a scam. So I went to the bank and I was like, I've got this check. I'm not going to cash it. I know this is a scam, but I don't see how they, I don't see how it gets me. And they're like, oh, if you catch that, they like take all your money. And I was just like, what? I still don't understand how that works, but I'm definitely glad I didn't catch that check because it seemed a little, Jeez, a little man. shaky. Dude, imagine if there is a guy that wants to pay two grand for his son to learn drums. Though. You know, that guy's a real dad. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I actually need to talk to you because one of the things we want to take that money for is actually to uh to to do to get a drum kit just like something real but didn't didn't you say that you didn't your like daughter i mean it's it's gonna be the most basic kit but didn't you say like your daughter had some real simple kit and you replaced the heads and it was fine yeah absolutely i mean and i was doing drum taking for on the road for a while and so i realized like if you just have good good you know good heads and it's really the hardware that can't handle travel and can't handle getting banged around with that those cheap drums will eventually just fall apart because the hardware is not great but if you set up a drum kit and you leave it where it is and you just get a cheap drum kit i mean our one i think was something from uh, from uh, amazon and i think it was somewhere around 200 bucks or no you know, something like that for the whole kit 
So the, yeah, the things that are going to suck for sure are going to be the stands for the for the symbols and all that kind of stuff. And then your symbols are going to be unreal. The oh. symbols were not even made out of metal. They were, <laughs> they were like plastic. I was going to tell you the kit that I have in my basement. You know, somebody gave it to me as like a goodwill, like a they got it at a goodwill or something, and it's like a Fender Starcaster kit, like, and so. I've replaced, I've replaced the, like I got a new ride symbol and I replaced the hi-hats, but I still just leave the crash down there and dude, it looked like, I swear every time I hit it, it like puts another wavy dent in it. Like it looks like a, like an open can, like the top of a can opener, just from the beat down it takes. Like every time you hit it, it just like breaks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so new symbols are going to be a must. And then, uh, and then I bought a decent cl- hi-hat clutch, like a little. Yeah. This was a bit of a little upgrade, and then definitely your kick drum pedal as well is going to be made out of tin foil kind of vibes. Yeah, for sure. But um, if you if you can buy some some other stuff, so but if you get the shells and you get uh, and you get some decent heads on them, and you use uh, you know the little uh, the little sticky things that help you just to uh, deaden the drums a little bit, you can actually get a pretty decent sound on the on the snare and the kick and the and the and the toms if you you know how to use those. Yeah, I mean we you know, tape I mean, on the bottom heads. Yeah, I mean, our situation is definitely like, I mean, it would be outside the, um, like, we, like basically you would just use brushes. Like it would be, it's a, but it's amazing the difference it makes. Like I had my buddy over and we were down in my basement kind of working on stuff for worship this week. And they're like, well, why don't you just jump on the drums? Let's just play around. And just having just the most basic like kick and snare in time massively changed the way that, that I was playing guitar because I could just let that be some of the rhythm and then like engage with it more. So it was definitely something that I was like, oh man, I, this is this is a priority. It's time to sell some stuff. Let's see if we can track down a drum kit. Yeah, and I think we'll get a good one. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. We're 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 poor. Half the time we can't even like pay ourselves. I'm figure with it out. you. I'm with you. But uh, but you so know what's who, happening? What's happening this week? I was gonna say, you know who can pay himself? It's Leland Mooring from the band Leland. And, uh, oh yes, he can. Yeah, he's crushing it right now. He um, just came out with a live record, live record called Better Word. Um, his song uh, Waymaker was the 500th song lesson that we posted on on Worship Artistry, and I love that song. It's such a good song, and uh, it's it's so <laughs> you, good. You know, sometimes man, sometimes you interviews, and you really kind of have to pull things out of people. You know, you sit down and you're like, you ask them a question, and they give you like a real short answer, and you're like. Oh gosh, I got to figure it out. I think I asked Leland two questions. He's just got <laughs> so much going on in his brain that he just like, well, you know what? And then he just like blew through like a half hour interview. Random, and it's, it's and it's all it's all great stuff. So like he's like a guy like sometimes I think especially with younger worship leaders, you can kind of get the sense that they don't um, maybe they don't think about things too deeply or you know it's like well, but you have have you thought about this and. And you almost kind of like take for granted that they're not really a, a very deep guy. And then you have like Leland who comes out and he's just like, he's quoting scripture to me. He's backing everything up. He's saying like, like it's what he's doing is so grounded somewhere. And so it's, it's, it's really encouraging to hear. It's amazing. And it's also just a very meaty interview. So let's stop talking about drums and go listen to Leland Moore. I've been I've been so uh, psyched to talk to you because I um your name came up so much when like the the first time I heard of you the sound of melodies was about to come out 
And so yeah. we were, our band was actually about to sign, we were kind of like looking at signing with record labels and stuff. And, and we were trying to like explain this thing that we were doing. Everyone would be like, have you heard the, the Leland record? The Leland record's coming. Like all anybody could talk about was your record. And so we were just like, <laughs> we're like, oh man, we got to hear this. And it totally like lived up to it. And it was just kind of, it was a little That's bit of a amazing. soundtrack to a, to, to a very crazy time in our lives. So it was, it's kind of wow, fun to Wow, that's awesome. Dude. What hear. was the name of your band? Uh, it was called Daydreamer. We, we ended up crashing and burning shortly thereafter but uh <laughs> bro that's awesome oh that's so cool that was such a wild time man oh it was, it was magical. everybody everybody had a had a had a vest on with a t-shirt under it and everyone's <laughs> hair was, was really long and emo and had like way too many bracelets on their on one of their arms they shouldn't have way too many bracelets everyone was kind of dressed like uh a mix between uh jack sparrow and uh <laughs> And like the 70s vibe. It just was really weird. It was a strange time for fashion, but music was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. The music music was fun. It felt like we were kind of on the verge of doing something. And uh, and it's it's clearly worked out for you. So uh, that's great. Hey, that's all right. God's got different paths for us all, man. It's awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't. You know, there's, you know, you look back at times in your life and you go, you know, this like, man, had this worked out, this would have been terrible for me at the time. <laughs> You're just like. <laughs> We were, That's I mean, true, though. I mean, we were about to sign. Like, we were like going, starting. Okay, we got to get an attorney and everything. And then our singer had like a total nervous breakdown and just like, oh, and all, like, and everything. It was like, oh man, if we had been like a year into this, this would have been, yeah. this would have been yeah, bad. It so it could have been really bad, man. I mean, you never know. <laughs> the, the goodness of God is involved in all that, dude. It, it's wild. I mean, you know, I think, uh, I think of the same thing too. There's been, there's been moments, even the last sixteen years, where some, some almost, you know, they, they kind of felt like almost, like some almost moments where you're like, man, that was, that was an almost moment where something really big, I felt like almost happened. And then, you know, hindsight, you look at it like a year later and, you know, you just go, gosh, thank you, Jesus, for, for closing that door. Because, you know, you, you can kind of see the kindness and the protection of God sometimes in those things. And so, um, yeah, I'm right there with you, dude. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I don't need to talk about me. I want to talk about you. So, uh, so I'll give you a real quick thing about our podcast, just to kind of tell you who you're talking to. Um, what Worship Artistry does is we take songs and we teach them to uh, we teach five piece arrangements for them. So, like we took um, Waymaker, which was actually our our 500th song that we did, which was wow. really cool. Um, and uh, we take we take that song and then we go, okay, we get our licensing squared away, and then we go, okay, I'm I'm the guitar teacher. I'm going to teach the lead guitar part and the acoustic guitar and combine all the parts as they need to be so that like one electric guitar player can play this song, one acoustic player, one bass player, one drummer. And then that yeah. five piece comes together and comes together. So, um, so everyone that we're, most of the people that we're lit talking to are people who are either playing on teams or they're playing in their bedroom. Um, but everyone's involved in worship and ministry in some way. So that's kind of like awesome. who the audience is. And, uh, right. and, uh, yeah, I'll just start. We'll have already introduced you. We'll have, made fun of ourselves and then introduced our superstar here and then nice. we'll, we'll get going. So, um, Leland, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks dude. It's good to be with you. Awesome. Um, I'm glad we, I'm glad we could set it up because I've, I've been dying to ask you this question forever. Um, your name is Leland Mooring. Uh, the band's name is Leland. Where did you come up with the band name? Yeah. <laughs> so basically <laughs> it's so funny. It, that was, it's all like another life ago. So our band's been going now for, uh, 16 years, pretty much on the road wow. full time. Wow. And when we started playing, you know, we're a youth youth band. You know, we started in our youth group, 
playing in, in my mom and my dad uh, were worship pastors growing up. We traveled for about two and a half years as a family, like trio on the road, leading worship together, uh, singing with our mom, my dad. It was, awesome. and that was amazing. That was actually really awesome. Like it's it was funny, funny and like awesome all at the same time. Like we had a lot of amazing God moments. And then we came came home after those two years on the road as a family, and uh, and we started our church out of our house in in Houston, and uh, that that began to grow, and our youth group began to grow really fast, and we had. Uh, because me and my brother were really musical together and we would write a lot of songs together. My brother was kind of pastoring the youth group. He was 18 and he was like kind of the youth pastor. And, uh, but he was always 18, like going on 30, like he was a, <laughs> an old soul. And, uh, and then I was helping with worship and I was like about 14 or 15. And, um, and so we were seriously writing a lot of songs. And then our, basically our band was just my cousins. It was like our family. So our bass player was my cousin, Jake on bass. He's, he was around my age. We were like brothers growing up. And then our drummer was a really good friend of ours that his family started a church at the same time in our town. His name is Mike and he was on, on drums. And, uh, and so it was basically us four were kind of the core members of the band. We started that, we started writing songs, playing at other churches. And then as we started going out and playing at other churches and playing for like other youth lock-ins and there was a Christian coffee shop in town that was a venue that we would go play every Saturday night and try out all of our new songs on them. And, um, so we, we, that was a big rhythm of our week. Like we would play youth on Thursday, um, Saturday night in the coffee shop. Wednesdays, we were usually guesting at somebody else's church and helping them with their worship. And so then we're like, man, we need a name. You know, we need something. Can't just be like, and here's the, you know, youth group band from so-and-so. Like it's, it's too long. With Everywhere we'd be introduced was different every <laughs> single night. We're like, this is just all way too long. So we needed a name. And so we came up with some of the worst band names. I mean, like our first band name was, I think, we we decided on the fifth seal from Revelation. Oh, that's so good! <laughs> it's like so. All of our names are so metal. Like we just sound <laughs> a hardcore metal band, and we get up there and start in worship, and it just didn't work. And then so we did that one night. We're like, no, we don't like that name. That's weird. And then and then we did one show as uh, or one worship night as um, what was our next name? Our next name was Ubadel, which is like some. <laughs> Our, it was Jake. Our, it was like some Swahili word for something spiritual, and it was just, which is also metal. It's like, why are we like picking these post-apocalyptic <laughs> metal names? It doesn't make any sense. And so, um, and at, during the time, people were already calling us the Leland Mooring Band because you had like the David Crowder Band and mm. the Dave Matthews Band, and so they were calling us the Leland Mooring Band, and I didn't like that either. And we were talking through, and it was kind of a democracy. And one of our buddies, who's kind of like a friend of ours, was hanging around. Was like you guys. You just would have these moments of inspiration. He's like, you should just drop the more and just call it Leland. He said because that's just kind of cool, just by itself. It's just a unique name. And I was like, we are not doing that because we are basically <laughs> we're only playing for our friends. It's like the same group of thirty people are following us around Houston, like when we play, and it's like they would all know it's my name. And uh, the band guys are like, we're just gonna try it, man. We're outvoting you, and so. They all outvoted me. We did Leland, and uh, and so ever for the last sixteen years, we get that question over and over again. So I can thank them all for that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's it, 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 at least you have a name that works for that. You know, like if I had a band named Jason, I don't think it would really quite work quite as well. Be like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> so good, so good. So, uh, so you started uh, leading worship at, at a young age. You know, like. Um, and, uh, and, and you've managed to do it all this time now. Um, how has it changed for you from kind of those early days, you know, writing with your, writing with your family and then kind of 
to now traveling and I guess, I mean, in some ways, I guess it hasn't changed because you were traveling sure. and doing stuff then, but how has your perspective on it changed over this last, you know, 10 years, 15 yeah, years? That's, that's awesome. It's a really great question. I think, um, and something I've think about a lot. I think, you know, uh, I think some of the core things stay the same, which is, you know, why are we doing it? Um, and I think, but, but because we change as people and, and God loves that about us. God wants us to change. He wants us to grow every day, bit by bit, by the grace of God, to become more like Christ. So um, ultimately, the goal of the gospel is just for me to become more like Jesus, for Jesus to be alive in my life, that his spirit be alive in me, it would help me die to myself every single day. Um, you know, the, he's already overcome sin, and he's overcome death. And there's the last thing that stands in the way is myself. You know, Jesus said he didn't say deny sin and follow me. He didn't say deny death. That was kind of already assumed that he'd overcome those things. He said, but you have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And I think that's the core of the gospel is that it's not just about going to heaven when I die. It's not just about being forgiven of my sins. Those are both really important to the gospel, but it's about being transformed into the image of Christ right now that that's actually available to me supernaturally through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and just an intimate relationship and friendship with God, that that's the purpose of it, is to know God and become more like Him. And the nature of God, the Bible says, is love. So God is love. That is who He is. Everything about His nature flows from from who He is. So His his judgments flow from His love. His correction flows from His love. His righteousness flows from his, from the, the fact that he is love. His power, his miracle power flows from the fact that he is love. All of the gifts of the Spirit flow from his nature, which is love. So God prophesies over people and and, and, and reveals the treasures in their heart that no, no other man knows uh, except him because he loves people. He heals the sick because he loves people. He um, he redeems families because he loves us. He sends his son because he loves us. Like It's who he is. And he loves us because he is love. And I think that's the that's the major distinction for me is that there, there are things that stay the same uh, about this journey we're on with Christ, whether you're a worship leader or or you work at you know full time at Starbucks or you have a you're an entrepreneur. Like that's all the same for all of us. But I think as a worship leader, um some of the other uh the things that have changed have been maybe uh my perspectives of the church and what is it that we're building? Because the Bible says that God's kingdom is is already come in the earth. You know, the kingdom is here, and it's Jesus is the kingdom. And so Jesus alive in us is, is the kingdom of God alive in us. Um, but the church is something God's building. Uh, that the Bible says that God says, "On this rock I will build my church," and the rock is is the revelation like that Peter had in that moment that you are the Christ, you are the Son of God. You are the way, you're the truth, and the life. You're the answer to all of our problems. You're the cornerstone, and Jesus being the being lifted up is 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 the rock that God builds His church on. So what we're doing as worship leaders is taking, and there's all sorts of things that God is in. There's all different personality types, gifting, skill sets, um, and and anointings that God is using on different persons. So you're gifted and skilled in different areas that I than, than I am not. And you're a unique person, and there's unique purpose and destiny on your life and others listening that are unique to you because you are the only you that will ever be alive and ever exist. God created and said before the foundation of the world that that he set the seasons and times in which every person would live. So 
uh, you could have been born a hundred years from now or a hundred years in the past. You could have been born in any other nation. So you could have spoken a different language, but God said that you would be alive now. So you have an important destiny, no matter what your giftings or skill sets are, no matter if they tend towards the local church, um, or they are, or they're in culture outside the, um, each of them are important to building the church and building the kingdom of God. Um, um, and so in terms of the worship leader, I feel like one of the things that's one thing that has changed in my heart and grown in my heart is, is the importance of the local church. What are we doing when we're leading worship? What are we doing when we're preparing a set list, you know, for, cause sometimes we get really administrative and, if you're a full-time worship leader at your church or you serve part-time or you just serve volunteer, you know, you get a planning center notification and you got six songs or five songs for the Sunday. And sometimes it's three and you're looking at them and you learn your songs and pull up multi-tracks and they got the guide in there. We have all these, these things, systems, right. That are really administ- highly administrative and that are blessings to us to help us make sure we have some, some semblance of order and understanding what we're doing. But, if we don't watch it, if we're not careful, we've all experienced this before. I've experienced it in my life a lot. You find you find yourself slipping into these robotic modes where you it's easy to forget what am I doing here? What is this purpose of why we're gathering together? The Bible says that the reason we gather together is to admonish one another, to encourage and stir one another up in love and good works. And every church, what's cool about the church, and this in the last sixteen years I've learned this, is that the church is uh, globally is made up of like, it's like each church is its own person. So in the same way that different persons, you and I are unique to each other. We're different and we have different passions and skill sets and, and giftings and callings. And the same way churches are like that. You'll go to certain churches and, you know, one church on one corner is, is highly prophetic and highly spontaneous and, and just sort of go with the flow. You know, there's not really much structure, but they, they have a gifting in their church. You can tell to prophesy, um, to, to, and even maybe even in spontaneous worship, they flow a lot. Um, they're just kind of like go with the flow. You know, their services can be two, three hours long. Uh, but it's awesome. You know, there's flags and shofars and people are dancing around and it's amazing, right? My, my mom and dad's church is like that, right? It's just, it's, it's great. They're just there and they're, they're learning new things. And maybe some of the areas that, that a church like that could grow in are, are the administrative things and the places that they could learn. And some of those practical skill sets that are, that are also our specific gifting. Right. And then you go to some churches where, and, and maybe it, maybe also you can go back to that other, that other church on the corner that is very spontaneous. Maybe that church is, is also really gifted in music. They're a highly musical church. Um, and they've got new songs coming out left and right, and they're learning, which is kind of like my my family's church. And then you go to another church on the next side of the corner down the street, and they are gifted in leadership principles. Like it's like every person that gets up there to speak has a, a teaching anointing on their life, and and they they just drop gold nuggets, just fall out of their mouth on like practical things that you can actually take home that day and apply to your marriage or apply to your family or apply to your life. And they're gifted in teaching. They're gifted in, in raising up servant leaders on how to lead and serve. And so a church like my family's, we we need that church because there's areas that, that we've we've grown in we've and we've uh, that we have an anointing and calling in and music and worship and spontaneity and, and growing with the Lord in those areas and the prophetic 
But we need to learn, though, from this church down the road that God's given this gifting on how to build systems and how to how to train volunteers, how to um, how to lead, how to raise up servant leaders in specific areas. That's how to be a little bit more administrative and bring some order to things, because it's like the left and right hemisphere. You know, God's made us with both. Um, and your right hemisphere is your creative, spontaneous part of you. It's the wild side of you, and each of us have it. And then your left hemisphere is your more administrative reason. Let's think this thing through. And and the church is like that. You have some churches that operate in, in different hemispheres, if that makes sense, and and in the spirit and different callings and anointings. Because God's that way. God, He's the wild God that makes giraffes and frogs and and speaks through a donkey in the Old Testament, and uh, you know to deliver His word and has really interesting, weird ways of communicating his stuff, his his goodness to the world. And it's cool. And then you have the and he's also very poetic and theatrical. And then you have the the other part of the nature of God that he is wisdom and he sets the world in its foundations so that's not moved. And and he he, you know, brings order and a just balance, honors the Lord and his his throne is 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 built on righteousness, and and he is the judge, and the, and the he lays everything out, and nothing goes hidden from him. So, when you look at those, God is all of that, and so each of us, in the same way that as persons we're demonstrating a, a part of the character of God, uniquely, you are demonstrating the glory of God through the unique person He's made you when you partner with the Holy Spirit in that. But at the same time, churches are doing the same thing and they're making up different aspects of, of the nature of God. And so that's why we need all of the different denominations. It's why we need all of the different modes of church. Um, and it's, but it's also why it's not this, and this is the biggest thing I've learned in the last 16 years. This is the thing that's changed for me. I think when I started in worship 16 years ago, I would have probably been more prone to think, maybe not even say it, but think in my heart that, my church has has it figured out. We know our church is the right way to do church, you know. And I come from a very spiritual background, and I love my church. And we we go for go with the flow. Everyone's wild. They sing out loudly. You know, these people that are that are waving flags in our church. And I you know I used to laugh at that, but now that I realize people that are waving flags in our church, they have these really wild testimonies. They were used to be addicted to crack, or used to be on drugs, or used to be in a prison, and God set them free. And when they make this flag. It's it's like they're weeping while they're waving it around. It's like it's it's a genuine expression of worship for them. It's not weird, um, and so like I used to think that my church this this is the preferable way to do church, right? And but in the last sixteen years, one thing I've noticed is, man, I mean, a great example. I was recently um, uh, a month ago. I was in England, and we had a chance. We were playing in Lincoln, England that night at seven o'clock at night at this at this church at the bottom of the hill. And in Lincoln sits on like this big hill, and at the, t- at the top of the hill is Lincoln Cathedral, beautiful cathedral, really one of the oldest cathedrals in England. So I was like, man, let's go up. We had we had some time to go up and catch their five o'clock evening song, which is where the choir sings this liturgical evening song. And there are there are reformed. Um, uh, what do they call it? Reform Anglican church. So it's very highly liturgical, um, but beautiful. So we walk in, it's five o'clock. 
it's raining. We're kind of wet. It's kind of it's pretty theatrical. We walk in, we're like covered in let's like come something from a movie. And we get to, we go to the back of the cathedral, where this small part of the cathedral, it's a huge cathedral, where they're having this service, this choral singing. And we sit down, and the the choir, the the vicar would read a part of the gospel, and the choir would sing that passage, a whole passage of scripture, like a whole chapter. They would sing it. They put it to music. It's unbelievable. Blows you away. The melodies and the structures they were singing. I'm just like, gosh, what is this? It's, it was wild. Then, when they're done, the vicar, uh, the the she was a uh, she was the the minister or the vicar over all the music. So she's the one who trains the choir, works with the choir throughout the week, gets them prepared for their services, their choral singing. So she gets up there and she says something. She says, guys, she says, tonight is a really special night for the Church of England because this is the one night of the year that we, this is the one night of the year that we pray for and honor all of those who beautify the world with music. Hmm. And, And so right then and there, she began to pray and read a prayer that was for about 10 minutes long. And they only do this one night, a year, one night a year, and we happen to be in the room. She said, we are going to pray over all of our songwriters, all of the storytellers, uh, all of the ones who beautify the world with the arts and with music um, and who God is using, even the ones who don't even know they're being used by God. We, we want to pray for them right now. And as she began to pray, I felt the same presence of God that I feel in my church with flags and shofars and, and, and spontaneous worship and the prophetic and very spirit-filled I, here I was in a liturgical Anglican church and, and a whole new mode of church that I, that I am not used to not, and actually not that comfortable with. And here I am. The presence of God grips me in this wooden pew in this really old church, and I am weeping like a baby, just tears pouring down my face, the, the goodness and the love of God. I just felt the kindness of God just wrap me up at that moment. And I was so overwhelmed that moment just saying, the body of Christ is so beautiful to God. It is, it is so precious to God. And if you have the honor and the opportunity to volunteer and serve in a church, this isn't just something that we're doing. It's not just a Christian club. You know, it's not just like, and it's not just a thing we're doing once a week. Um, and it's not just a set that we're planning for. You know, you are, you are partaking in, in a part of the story of the, of the body of Christ that's been going for over 2,000 years. When you stand when you're, it might feel kind of administrative throughout the week, learning your songs and getting prepared. And, but when you stand in that room to lead or to sing or to play, you are putting, you're going to war for a group of people, your family there in your city, that everyone in that room represents moms and dads. They represent uh, sons and daughters. They are, they represent schools. They represent businesses. They represent culture. All of your city, it's a microcosm of your city meeting on Sunday morning and coming together. And the one thing you have in common is that you're all trying to pursue Jesus and become more like him. And that moment of singing songs, some of these people, they come in from, they just had a fight with their wife in the car and their marriage is on the rocks. Or, or, or these young, a young kid is dealing with suicidal thoughts and his parents have no idea. Or, or a, you know, um, uh, Somebody's dealing with addiction to pornography, and they're, and they're, and it's been wrecking their life for 15 years. They and they just feel so ashamed. They don't know how to break this thing in their life. Or somebody's dealing with infertility when they walk in the room, and no one has clue with it. And they want to be parents more than anything else in their life. And they and they just want to be there, but they're struggling with the, is God still good? You know. And they're dealing with all these issues. And they walk in. And you've got four songs. You know, you've got four or five or six songs, or this 30 minutes. And in that moment, if my posture is 
this is my chance to to release all of my musical gusto that I've been wanting to release in this 20 minute set, or this is my chance to be a rock star. This is my chance to really show everybody how good of a drummer I am or how good of a singer I am or, or man, we got to make sure we get these transitions right. And if, if that's all we're focused on, then we are missing the whole point. But if we, if we plan well administratively so that we can get up there and the one thing we're thinking about is I don't care how I feel right now. God, I give you all of my circumstances right now as the guitar player or the worship leader or the guy in front of house at sound. God, I give you my circumstances right now in these 30 minutes. Use me as an instrument of encouragement and to point all of our faces to you, Jesus. You're not sweeping your problems under a rug, but you're giving them to Jesus in that time of worship. And by faith, you begin to worship. Our worship should never be founded on feelings. Feelings are a part of love. Emotions are a part of love. God doesn't want us to be non-emotional. Emotions are good. God wants to redeem our emotions, but he doesn't want us to be grounded by our emotions. God wants us to be grounded on faith. And faith isn't just like what atheists think it is. It's not crossing your fingers. God, I hope today is going to work out. Uh, Faith is not even just trust. And even our trust is, it's not blind trust and it's not blind faith. The Bible says that all of the promises of God find their yes in Christ Jesus. And through Jesus or through the Holy Spirit, we resound back to God and amen for his glory. So amen just means I agree or I believe. So two things when we get into worship, you might not feel a thing when you get there to play and you've done all your administrative work throughout the week. And, and, and you know that the posture should be, you know, this is about us, and, but you, but you feel like God I feel bad because I don't feel like worshiping right now. You know, you start trying to, you kind of start beating yourself up. God, I said, here I am supposed to be leading these people in worship and I don't feel a thing. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like worshiping. I'd rather go watch a movie. I'd rather leave right now and go, you know, I'd rather sleep in this morning. I just do, I actually just don't want to be here like in my flesh. Like I just don't emotionally feel like it. In that moment, instead of spontaneously singing that to everybody and, and depressing everyone else. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Instead of spontaneously singing that you don't feel like being, being there, which is kind of what we do now in spontaneous music. Um, how about, how about two things? How about you start with Thanksgiving and, and, and before you go up to worship, think about the things that you have in your life that God has done and is doing for you that you can thank him for. Thank him for the clothes on your body. Thank him for the building that you're in. Thank him that you actually get the chance to go and gather with other believers without fear of persecution. Thank you. Thank him that you actually even have a church family that's actually there for you in the midst of trauma and suffering, that you're not alone. Thank him for your family. Thank him for your spouse. Thank him for health in your body. Thank him that he's given you a gift of music to even discover who he is. Thank him for all these things that we tend to just take for granted that are blessings from the goodness of God. Start with thanksgiving and then start by worshiping using a scripture from God, which is a promise from God, that's, that's the, that is yes for you. And, and find a promise that battles the lie that you're facing. So if you're dealing with sickness in your body, find a promise from God before you go out on the platform that deals with healing. That God is your healer. He wants to heal your body. He wants to heal of, you, of all your disease. And you find a scripture like that and you let that sit in your heart and you can sing it. You can sing it. You can pray it. You can say it. You can write it. Um, and, and meditate on it with the Holy Spirit, who's the spirit of truth. And as you do that, he starts, now you have fuel for your worship. You're not just worshiping on a feeling, but you're worshiping off your foundation is thankfulness and the word of God. 
through the Holy Spirit. And guess what? When you do that, feelings follow faith. Feelings will catch up to you, right? You're living by the Spirit, and the Spirit is the Spirit of truth who knows the mind of God. And, and all of the Word of God was inspired by the Spirit of God. So you could say the Spirit and the Word are one and the same, right? They, they both, without the, without the Spirit of God, I can't understand the Word of God. And, this, and the Word of God and, and the Spirit of God doesn't want me just to encounter Him. He wants me to encounter the Word of God and to be transformed in the renewing of my mind. So that's the foundation of how you worship. That's what you're standing on when you get up there to play and lead um, and your emotions begin to follow you. Right, they begin to follow that. It's it's a commitment to the Lord, you know. And um, so when you begin to, well, that's been the biggest thing that's changed for me is that this thing that we're doing on is what billions of other believers are doing around the world. They're dealing with trauma. They're dealing with suffering. They're dealing with all the same persecution. Some of them worse persecutions that we can ever imagine. But the point is, is that we're all in it. We're all doing the same thing. We're all a part of the, running the same race, and you're a part of that. You're a part of what God is doing in your city. You're another, your church represents another beautiful stone and 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 the large building habitation that God's building for his presence. And you're a part, you're a massive part of that. So love the people. Find the people. When you begin to sing, like you're a part of it. So you're a lead worshiper. You're not a worship leader, you're a lead worshiper, and you're a mirror. And everything that God's doing in your life, it'll be reflected to the people. And so just be encouraged that what you're doing is really important to the kingdom of God, um, and and it's it's vital to God. And so and it's it's uh you know beyond all the administrative stuff, the purpose of it all is just so that you can forget about it when you get up there on Sunday, and you can really dive in to the why am I here? What's the why behind all of this? You know, and don't ever lose sight of that. You know, it's powerful. Yeah, that that why question I think is the most important thing that we ask ourselves, you know, it's like in, in what we do and we, however we approach, we're so steeped in culture and so steeped in, uh, you know, pressure that gets put on us and everything. But that why is like such a big deal. Um, yeah. I love that. Cause it's, you know, like one kind of theme that I hear you saying is that it's like, you know, as we grow as musicians, as we grow in faith, anything like the closer you get to God, the closer you're drawn to humility, right? You yeah. kind of like haven't happened to kind of like let go a little bit more, the hands open, yeah. those ideas of like, this is what I'm doing. You know, we got to, you, you get to, uh, God kind of kicks your butt on those. Um, he does. I want to be sensitive to your time. Do you, do you have something right after this? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. So I got, I got to let you go. Let me just ask you one more thing real quick. So, um, so all that, how does that manifest itself in the songs that you write and sing? Yeah, I think, uh, two things are important for me. Um, uh, it would be, uh, that I found as a songwriter, one is, is co-writing, which has been really valuable in my life as a songwriter. Any writer that's listening, co-writing is important because everything God's, all the good things God, God's given us, he always wants us to experience them in the context of family. So church is that way and we're not meant to run the race alone. Marriage is that way. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, deep friendship is important. And so music is the same way. So, uh, 99.9% of the songs I write, they might start alone, but they're never finished alone. They're always finished in the context of friendship and family. So co-writing is valuable. Find one or two people in your life, uh, in your church circle that have a passion for songwriting. They don't have to be amazing, but just find them um, and start making the practice or the habit once a week, once a month, meeting up with them at the church or wherever you can and saying, hey, we're going to write some songs together. We're going to bring bring some ideas that we've had in alone, and let's here's a piece of clay. Let's set it in the middle of the room, and let's start 
each because each person's unique, and I need the other two or three people in the room. I need their the way they hear melody, lyric, and 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 story. I need all of that because I hear they hear it differently than I do, and that's important to me. And so you submit your pride in the process. You humble yourself, and you you dive into the process of critique and collaboration. And what happens is is out of that. 99.9% of the time, you're going to come out with something that you couldn't have gotten on your own, and it's actually better than where you started if you submit yourself to that process, or else you'll never grow as a songwriter. You really won't, because because uh, g- people who are geniuses, it comes be- it comes from seniors. It comes from being a part of a scene of people or a family of people that are collaborating together. Second thing that's really important as a writer is meditating on the Word of God. Uh, when you lie down at night, when you wake up in the morning, when you're seated with nothing to do, and when you're traveling by the way, that's just from Deuteronomy, God said, teach the word to your children in all those areas of your day. your day. Your day looks different than mine, but we all have those deep, contemplative thinking moments of our day. Take those parts of your day, instead of scrolling on YouTube, instead of um, crushing social media or Netflix, um, take about three days. Try it this week. Take three days and take those two or three scriptures that combat the lies that you're fighting. Right? You don't have to read the whole Bible. Read what you need and take those three scriptures and and memorize them, which is what we can do in our own ability, but then invite the Holy Spirit into that process um, by meditating on them with him. And and it's, it's not a heady thing. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. So worrying is meditating on Satan's promise for our lives. The Bible says Satan has a plan for our life. Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you worry— when you worry, you're taking your imagination, your creativity, which is the part of you that can dream about things, write songs. It's the good thing about you. You're taking this creativity, and you're you're taking a lie from the enemy. Like let's say you lose your job, I'm going to be poor for the rest of my life, right? And you start thinking about that, and you worry on it. You're making, you're creating scenarios in your mind of how terrible it's going to be, and you're actually dwelling on Satan's promise. And what happens if you do that long enough? Fear begins to grow in your heart, and it becomes an atmosphere, it becomes tangible, and it changes everything about your day, your your whole life, your whole day is affected by it, and your soul is affected by it. Well, the opposite is true of meditating on the Word of God. You invite the Holy Spirit in. You have the Scripture before you that you're memorizing, trying to learn, because you have to do that to be able to meditate on it. But you're doing everything from singing to uh, to f- sitting and thinking about it, to saying it out of your mouth, because life and death are in your tongue, and writing it down in a journal, uh, because writing is powerful. And when you're doing that all, you're doing it with the Holy Spirit, who's the Spirit of Truth. And you're taking your creativity and your imagination, and you are making that scripture personal to yourself. So you're taking a scripture like uh, where Jesus talked about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and you start singing it. You say, God, I thank you that um, I think if you clothe the birds, of, of the clothe the flowers of the field, and if you feed the birds of the air, God, it, it, the flowers are here today and gone tomorrow. The birds they don't even sow in barns, and and they don't they don't gather, but yet you feed them every single day. God, I'm of much more value than than birds in the air and flowers of the field. Will you not much more clothe and feed me? So I'll, I'm giving you my problems today, but I seek first your kingdom and its righteousness, and all these things will be added into me. That's t- it's making the scripture personal, and as you do that with the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus said, I'll remind you of every word I've spoken to you. And it, and Paul said, he writes the, the word of God, not by ink, but by the spirit, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablet of our heart. That's what happens in that moment. That will affect your creativity and your songwriting. Because now every time you write a song, your the, your creative mind has been is is being unified and married to the imagination of God. The Bible is basically the mind of God. 
So you can look at the Word of God is basically the thoughts and the imaginations of God, because all of it's inspired by the Spirit of God, who knows the mind of God. So that's why that's really important to meditate on the Word of God. Without that, we have no foundation, and we can we can easily slip into a little bit of emotionalism, and and just being operated by our feelings. And uh, but this this helps us in the faith world. This helps us in the faith side of our walk, and helps us stay in good foundation. So those are the two big things I would say for songwriting. They're powerful. Awesome, man. Well, hey, you know what? Uh, I know I need to let you go. Um, I just want to tell you, you know, a lot of times people worry that our worship leaders are are in that space of just feeling or just kind of in that, like, that it's not built on anything, right? That it's yeah. that it's like, oh, man, we need to have faith in theology and all that fits in. And so um, I think it's really cool and really comforting to know that there's guys out there like you that are that have that are thinking through all this, that this is all important, that this is all built into the rhythm of life and that you're building your music on something that's like a real foundation and not just yeah. kind of like what I had, you know, that moment I had that day. And so, man, thanks yeah. so much for sharing your heart. It's like so obvious. You clearly, as soon as you're done with music, you can just go off and, and be a pastor, clearly. Um, <laughs> uh, you got the gift for that as well. So thanks for uh, sharing your talents with us. I really appreciate thanks, you taking man. the time. It's an honor to be with you, dude. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. All right. We'll talk to you. Bye. Yeah, man. Uh, so crazy that the song Waymaker, the first time I heard it, I was actually in South Africa. Uh, uh, we were leading Brenton Brown and myself went out there to play at a conference in Jeffreys Bay. Uh, and the worship singer that sang with us, her name's Sino Mkile. Uh, and she's really awesome. If you want to check it out, if you type in Waymaker and Brenton Brown on, uh, on YouTube, you can see her version. She's just got a really powerful way of leading uh, and it was super, super cool to to be part of that. And the song itself, obviously, has got so much weight. And then to just think that it was written by someone uh, in Africa, you know, it's, it's pretty, really, it's really cool. I know. I'd love to know the story of of how that song, like, rose. That's not like a major label hub. No. <laughs> well, you know what is a major hub, Daniel? Is what? Uh, it's going to be our <laughs> member mail. Edit. <laughs> You know, I, that's my fault. I said you. I said I should have said something about the time. I didn't give you any time, and you just—it's okay. I'll—I'll I'll own that one. That one's on me. <laughs> so uh, today's member the, mail. The rest, the other five hundred on on me. <laughs> we don't have five hundred podcast episodes, but we do—we do have the five hundred okay. lessons. But we might have done five hundred takes in those hundred and twenty or whatever it is. Um, okay, today's member mail co- question comes to us from Jeff. He says, our worship team uh, has musicians with a wide range of musical tastes and abilities. Because of this, we make sure to have our set list posted in Planning Center and at least a couple weeks in advance to give everyone lots of time to get familiar with the songs before coming to rehearsal. I'm a guitar player and worship leader and have found the lessons in worship artistry very helpful to learn new songs, especially the section on setting up your effects and amp. I'm glad, I'm glad that's helpful. <laughs> I always wonder. Um, However, what I am hearing at at our rehearsals is that a lot of our team members don't seem to pay much attention to the recordings, as both of their instruments sound and what they are playing are very different. As a worship leader, I always have to reset my brain at rehearsal since the recordings I have been practicing with all week week is very different to what I'm hearing during our practice. There are times when it is so different that it throws off my singing, as I am used to listening for certain cues in the recordings. My question is... How do you encourage people to pay more attention to the sound, style, and instrument parts of the recording without taking away their creativity? I don't want us to sound exactly like the recording. Good for you. 
But I still have an idea in my head of how I want the song to sound, and it's usually too late at rehearsals to do any major changes. I also send out an email three days before our rehearsal with notes on each of the songs for structure, who will start, etc. But I'm pretty sure there are people each week that don't read through this either. Any suggestions would be much appreciated. Thanks. I love this question. So I'm going to let you answer it first. So good. But I, it's, I, I, what do you, what do you, what do you think, Daniel? Yeah, man. Um, we always have this conversation, you know, when we do these uh, band arranging workshops with Brent and I've done a few of them at CMS and a few different places. And uh, the same conversation always comes up. And I always say the person that knows the song the best is the best musician on the stage. <laughs> and so when you if you've definitely listened quite a bit to the song and you're familiar with it, no matter how good you play, uh, of a player you are, the, the closer you can get to what the reference was, uh, even just like listening to it a few times and going, oh, I know the, the song, I, f- I know the feeling you get from the song, I know the way it's supposed to go. But, you know, you might not have to chart it out even, you might not have to learn every little part, but if you've got a sense of what the essence of the song is and you play along, uh, then you're gonna you're gonna play it the way the way it feels best, and typically that'll be, the, you know, the way that it was recorded generally. Um, a lot of guys because they got either intermediate players or great or good, good players, they think they don't have to learn the songs for church, and so they just arrive saying, ah, if it's tell me what key it's in, I'll be able to rock it. And the truth of the matter is, you can't rock it if you don't know how the song goes. Uh, and you, you know, you, you might be able to doodle over it and play whatever you feel like. But if you don't know the taglines and the little guitar parts that make that song, that song, uh, a hit, you know, um, like in 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 that song, uh, "Lion and the Lamb," Brenton's song, there is that little. There's a guitar part, and if you just leave that out, it just doesn't feel like the same song. Right. So you know, those are the little hooks that make people go, oh, "I love this song." Oh, I'm great. I'm so stoked you guys are playing this song this Sunday because it's, it sounds like the record. And now that there's Spotify and iTunes, people actually listen to worship music as a genre. That's they might even have it on in their car nine times out of ten. So they know what it should sound like more now than ever before. So getting closer to the version of the song that they played is always going to make people feel more at ease and more like excited about singing that song. So I say the guy that listens to the song and if you can get your church culture to become, hey, let's learn the song as close as we can. Honestly, I, if I didn't do that, I'd never be able to play at Church of the City. If I didn't learn, which is a big church here in Nashville, Chris McClarney's leading worship. If I didn't learn the song like they sound on the record, they would never ask me to play again. That's just the bottom line. You know, I have to learn just like the record uh, for the most part. I have to make it feel like that song, that version of the song that was on the record. Um, so that's that's where that's where it's at for me. Yeah, I think it's been interesting because so I started this Facebook uh, guitar players group just for worship artistry guitarists. And it's been awesome because it's, it's I'm getting to actually interact with everybody. And so we've already got like hundreds of people on there. And like the last week I was like, oh my gosh, but everyone's talking with each other and like somebody asks a question and they'll get like 30 answers from people. It's amazing. Um, I'm in love with it. But one of the things that has come up is the opposite problem. It's that the worship pastor isn't sending them the song, the songs in time. You know, somebody asked the question, like how, how early do you get songs? You know, and some people are going, oh, I get it like three weeks in advance, which is amazing. Um, I, I'm, I'm not up to there as a worship pastor myself. Um, but I, but there's also people that are like, oh, you know, like I just, I don't even know what's going on until like the day of or whatever. And so I was actually this week, I was working on a form letter, like kind of as a joke, but like, it actually has some serious things in it that's going to post on there that like for you to like write to your worship pastor to like get them to send you the thing. So it's like, starts off like dear 
Aiden, Connor, Tanner, Devin, insert hipster name here. First off, I want to say I love leading worship at <laughs> Crossroads Church on a Hill, City Church, insert location based church name here. It's like it just kind of goes through that sort of thing. It's like a form letter that you could just throw in, but there's some serious parts in it. But reversing it, but one of the big things on it, kind of like the main thing that I think makes, even though this letter thing is kind of a joke, at the end, it actually has a, a swap. It says, I know it might take you out of your established weekly rhythm, and then it might be a challenge for you, so I'm going to make it worth your while. If you get me the songs and the tools I need at the beginning of the week, I will commit to showing up prepared and ready to play. I'll use the extra time you've given me to become a stronger worship team member. Because I know that this is a thing, right? Like, you know, and a lot of times people are like, man, I need to get the songs early. And it's like, okay, I got you the songs early, and you're showing up just as unprepared as you were before. And it ends Crazy. up being a, a really frustrating thing. And so I think just from the perspective of, of kind of, um, from, you know, from your end, uh, Jeff, as you're sitting there thinking about your worship team, I think it's important to say, like, to have a conversation with your team as a whole and, and like share your heart. You word it like you, this letter is so well worded. I didn't need to edit it or do anything else. Like it was just like, yeah, it's perfectly written. You're conveying the idea that's really important to you. And I think, I think saying, Things like, hey, you know what? Um, it really helps me if you can show up. Like, I learn it this way, and then when I get here, it's different, and it, it's really difficult for me. Um, you know, your point of, like, I don't want to squash anyone's creativity, but starting and having a place that we all start from and then we can get creative from there is hugely helpful. Um, just communicating with everybody, kind of like yeah. your, your need for that, and then getting everybody to agree to it. Because if you can sit there and go, like, can we agree to do this? And if not... Like, like if somebody's sitting there going like, I don't want to do that or whatever, like, it's like, okay, well, why not? Let's, let's talk about that. Why is that thing? And, and maybe have that conversation and you might be able to say like, well, you know, if you're the leader, it sounds like you're the leader. Um, Hey, it really, it, we need to move in this direction and we kind of need the team to be able to be on board with that. Let's all agree to it. And then be really quick to, if somebody is not doing, not kind of holding up that their end of that bargain, that's when you have that conversation and go like, Hey man. Let me pull you aside and go like, we agreed to do this and it's, it's really, it's really messing with things like what's going on and really kind of start creating that expectation. Cause if the church, if your team doesn't have that expectation to start with, it's going to be really hard for them to make that transition. Especially like if you got guys that have been playing for a while, sometimes you just kind of making a statement, it's, it's just going to go, there's somebody's going to crack a joke and it's going to like not mean anything. But if you really sit down with everybody have the conversation and share why it's important to you and what you're trying to achieve and get everybody to agree with it. I think you can actually really make some progress in that area and then have an opening to be able to a compliment people when they do do it. And then B, you know, res respond to them if they don't. That's good, Jason. That's power. Absolutely <laughs> power. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, and the, th the thing about it, about it is if you've been in a, ch if you've been in a church for a long time and there's a, and there's a culture of not, not learning and just kind of the, a, a bad culture of how how things work. It's very hard to get people to try to change, you know, how much commitment they commitment they're going to give to something. Or and it's something I, and I can only imagine how tough it is. But I think you can do it through loving your your volunteers well and looking after them. Yeah, and if you can get one thing, like if you could just say, "Hey, listen, I want to do like like one of my favorite things about what we do at Worship Artistry is that we take those songs and we break them into five piece arrangements, right? And you might have people sitting there fighting. They don't want to do that or whatever. And because I, like I said, it's artistry. I want there to be creativity. But if you can just say like just this week, 
we're going to do one song. We can do all the other songs how we normally do it, but I want to do one song like this. And you and everybody says, okay, we'll do that. And they go and they learn the song and they show up and they play that way. They will be giddy at how good the song sounds because it'll actually have the feel that they're used to hearing and everybody will be playing their part and 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 working towards and I I can almost guarantee you that that if 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 you can get them to do one song that way they will want to do more because it'll be so enjoyable to play. So start small. If you've got some uh, member mail questions for us, we love to hear them. You can hit us up, support at worshipartistry.com. You can also write to us on Instagram at worshipartistry or on Facebook, facebook.com slash worshipartistry. Um, you can also go and see what it's like to learn some songs in that five-piece arrangement by signing up for a free trial over at worshipartistry.com. You get access to all the instruments, all the songs. You can play around find out if it's something that really fits what you're doing. Uh, We hope it is. And if not, bless you. Just come on back to the podcast. Let's keep hanging out. Daniel, I'll see you next week. Yes. Looking forward to it, man. Have a good week.